thank you, Father, that as we gather here, that you will come and speak as only you can do. Lord, we surrender this morning our eyes and our ears and our senses and our spirit because we are here to connect with you. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. May it be words that will transform us for the rest of our lives. May today mark a day in our history that we will walk out and never be the same again. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Beloved, this morning I'm speaking about are you saved or are you surrendered? There is quite a difference between being saved and being surrendered. The title is Saved or Surrendered, as you can see. And obedience is the game-changing strategy. A lot of people want to know, what do I do with my life? What do I do here? Why am I here? And I really feel that God is his urgent word for us because we know time is running out. We can see the world and the woke agendas and everything going on around us. I mean, everyone can see it is a time that we need to be urgent. We need to stand up and do what we need to do. Not only is nobody guaranteed tomorrow, nobody. So what am I doing today that will make my life count? That is part of what I'm called to do. Why are we here? It is an urgent word of God. If we look at Romans 10, we know the scripture. If I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. I think probably 80 or 90% of us here this morning know that we are saved. We made that prayer. We, we, we said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sin, and therefore I am saved. That's what the word says. And that is the truth. The word cannot lie. And that is good, but that's just the start. I want to propose to you, I want to ask a few questions, and I want us to, to think about these questions. Are you saved to go to heaven? Or are you saved for such a time as this? What does it mean to be saved? What is part of our responsibility? Is it just to say the prayer? And now I'm, whew, I've got it. I can now go to heaven. I've done this. So what is the difference? Have you given Jesus your life? Or have you invited him into your life? If you've invited him into your life, that's great, as it should be. Or have you given him your life? We sing these songs, I surrender all. Lord, I give you all. I give you everything because your goodness is running after me. And we do. And we mean it when we sing it. But do we take it further? Is it just a good song? Does it just feel good? Or is my life, does my life speak of that surrender? There's a big difference between just saved and surrendered. 
Did you give him your thoughts, your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul? Because you see, the soul is where stuff happens. Am I right? Yeah, it's in the soul. We've got all these hurts and feelings and anger and resentment and bitterness and challenges in life. And it's all in our soul. Have we surrendered the soul area to him? Or do, do we keep a little bit back? I think God is really, really speaking to us about surrender. Now, we know obedience is God's love language. You know the five love languages, touch, quality time, all of those amazing things? Well, God's love language, and I think I've said it before because it's one of my favorite quotes. His love language is, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep them. It will not be suggestions to you. You will keep my commandments. That shows love. You know, Moses was a friend of God. Okay, there we go. I'm fixed. So, so Moses was a friend of God. If I may be so bold and ask you to have no fear of man at the moment, who wants to be God's friend? Yeah, all of us. We want to be God's friend. How do we become God's friend? Obedience. Moses obeyed God. Most, it says, the word says, Israel was acquainted with God's word. But Moses was acquainted with his ways. Why? Because he spoke to his friend and he told him what he wants to do. That's relationship. That's friendship. But it was because Moses obeyed God. And in obedience, there is a difference. Is it Okay. Sorry, Yella. Okay, excuse. So I want to propose today, what if the disciples only listened to what Jesus said and never did what he told them to do? serious question what would have happened if they went with him and learned from him and heard from him but never actually went and preached the gospel and laid hands on people and raised dead people and did all these signs and wonders what if you were a disciple oh yes um, you are so what if what if God is writing another Bible? What if your story is in this Bible, in this word? And what if there are people that you must reach, but you listen every Sunday, but you never go out and do? There's no act of obedience. I listen and I hear, but I do not obey. Have we thought about that? Because we are here for a reason. We are called just like the disciples were called. And we have a mission. We have a calling and a purpose and a destiny. But God can't fulfill it for us. We need to say yes, Lord, and actually do it. It's like Nike, just do it. We have to just do it. So 
We need to be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. Your choice to obey has got such a huge impact, not only in your own life, but in the life and the lives of your generations and generations to come. It's not about you. It's so much bigger than just about us. It's about what are we paying it forward? What is happening after here? Who are we impacting? So your yes positively influences generations and blessings. We did Victory Weekend this weekend. You've learned about generation curses and blessing. Why are people so petrified of a curse? Blessings far outweigh curses. You know, Jesus said, even Elijah, when he opened the eyes of that, that servant, when he prayed, God said, there's many more for us than against us. A curse is nothing. We break it in the name of Jesus and it's gone. There's power in the name of Jesus. We should be excited when we hear somebody was cursed. Come on, bring it. Let's cancel these curses. Let's break off this stuff so that we don't have to live under curses in our lives. So many things are happening in households because of curses. Idle words spoken over ourselves. Oh, I'm never going to be this. Oh, I'll never that. Oh, my marriage is horrible. Oh, my family. My finances will never come right. Why do you curse yourself? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who speak it shall eat the word of it. Satan does not need your help. Stop giving it to him. Stop it. This is not even part of my notes. Amen. So how we live and demonstrate Jesus will impact your children and your children's 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 children. You know, I, I have a boldness inside of me. I'm so grateful. I used to be angry at Jack all the time until God saved me. Now I'm angry at the devil all the time. And I love it. But this, this fighting spirit is in here. And I'm so grateful I get to take it out on the right enemy. Because by the way, your spouse is not your enemy. Just saying. That's my a bonus. Okay. So, so one day, many years ago, my, son was still in my, my, my youngest son was still in primary school. And because... By God's grace, we live a lifestyle of obedience. We live a lifestyle of, yes, Lord, and I meant it. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I meant it. It's like getting married. You mean it. You put a ring on it. You, you, you stick into this covenant. And so this person I was ministering to at my house started manifesting. Demons coming out, doing deliverance. And my son walked in, primary school, saw this manifestation, and all he did was sit on his knees next to this person and start speaking in tongues. No fear, nothing, because it's normal. It's a normal lifestyle to do deliverance. It's a normal lifestyle to preach the gospel. If the gospel is such good news, why are we not preaching it? Why are we not helping people when people helped us? We all heard the gospel at one point. We need to help. That's why we're here. We need to live it. So just to make everything I've said uh, legal, I think I need to quote the Bible. All right. So I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel 15 from verse 13 to 24. It's a long piece, but you need to get this. All right. Are you guys with me? Can I go? And Samuel said to Saul, Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed what the Lord ordered. So first off, Saul just says, I did what God asked. That's a little bit fishy. 
Because Samuel says, then what means this bleating of sheep in my ears? You see, God told Saul to completely obliterate the Amalekites, everyone and everything in it and with it. And then he saw this man of God and what is he said? Oh, I did what the Lord told me to do. But let's see if he really did. Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites, these sheep, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we utterly destroyed. So listen what he's doing here. First of all, the people took the sheep. So I'm blame shifting. I'm deflecting. It's not me. I'm the king, by the way. But let me just deflect to the people here. And then he says, but we have destroyed the rest. Now I'm part of it again. I decide which, which point I'm in and when I'm at. Then our second part of the scripture is, Samuel said to Saul, stop. I didn't man, shut up. I hear this nonsense that you're talking. Stop it. Stop it. What is going on? You say that you've done this, but you haven't. He says, let me tell you what the Lord told me. When you were small in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? When you were humble, when you were lowly, when you still knew that God was God, and you didn't elevate yourself, because after this victory, what did Saul do? He made a monument to himself because of his victory. So he was prideful. He was lifted up. Even when he did not fully obey God. Partial obedience is disobedience. The Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners. God wants us to utterly destroy sin in our lives. Be not fooled, not some of your sin. All of our sin needs to be destroyed. And then fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but swoop down upon the plunder and did evil in the Lord's sight? And Saul said to Samuel, yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Are you kidding me right now? We have gone the way which the Lord has sent me. And I have brought Ahab, the king of Amalek, as if that was part of the assignment. But it was not. And I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took from the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things to be utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in sacrifice? You see, we want to try and appease God by sacrificing. When Jesus was the sacrifice, God does not need your sacrifice. He does not need you to get up five o'clock in the morning to pray and be all godly if there is no obedience in your life. He wants you to obey because he is the sacrifice. He dealt with the sacrifice. The sacrifices do not please him. The obedience does. If you love me, you will obey me. That is what pleases God. That shows love. Because obedience means I trust you. I trust you enough to obey even if it doesn't make sense. I don't have to understand. I'm so glad I'm blonde. Really am. I don't have to reason about things. God says it. I believe it. That settles it. I don't try and be smart. I don't try and reason about stuff. I don't care. He says it. I do it. Stuff will work out. And it normally does. Always does, actually. But we need that obedience. Okay, so then let's look further. Now, this comes to an amazing part. The Lord says, does the Lord have a please in the sacrifice or in the obeying of the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Can we just stop there for a moment? This is important. None of us here think that any one of us is in witchcraft. Are you rebellious? Stubbornness is as idolatry. Some people like their stubbornness. They're actually proud of that. I'm very stubborn. But if we understand stubbornness is actually self-idolatry. It's pride. I decide. I will or I will not. I am stubborn. And that is very dangerous. I'm not nervous. I'm just out of flu. So my throat's a little bit raw. God dealt with the, with the fear. So Saul said to Samuel, oh, excuse me, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. This is very serious. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So I want to propose today, I'm going to do, Holy Spirit showed me and asked me at the end of this service to do something very specific. And it'll be very interesting to see whether we are going to fear God or fear man. I'm just putting it out there. We say that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. Beautiful scripture, and we quote it and we say it. But is it really the truth? Do you no longer live? Are you truly dead to your soul, your flesh? Or is it just a nice verse to quote? God's word is true. I want to, I want to show this part that I, I really feel is very important. Talk is cheap, but action speaks louder than words. We say and we quote that we need to do that. How many of us justify sin with human reasoning or even super spirituality? It was, it's for the Lord or it's, this or that, and we justify our sin. Remember, when we sin, it's not of God. If something is not of God, who is it of? There's only two. Okay? So we, we hear about being baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. We hear about affairs and, and living together out of marriage because we can't afford to buy a house, so we're sharing all these human reasonings. It's justifying our sin. It's justifying disobedience. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, Whoever conceals transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will attain mercy. Bring your sin into the light. Don't let it have a hold on you. I had a sin in my life for nine years. Nine. And I'm not saying this because I'm proud. I was going to, yeah. <laughs> because I loved the Lord. I really, really did. And I tried to get out of that sin, but I could not. For years. I know what it feels like to be stuck in sin, but love God and want to get out of it. You know what it took? God told me one day I had to go to a life group that we were involved in. 
And when I went that night, God says to me, Toinette, I see your heart and I see you're begging me to get free. You are going to get free, but you need to obey me. And it's going to cost you. I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And God said, go to the cell group tonight and you are not going to wear one drop of makeup. I'm going, have you seen a blonde without makeup? <laughs> it is a frightful thing. Okay. So I thought, first of all, Lord, this can't be real. But you know what? I did. I went. And as I was there that night, the Lord said to me, now confess it to this group of people. And I did. And I told them, I'm struggling in this area. I love God. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know how to stop. I've tried hundreds of times. I've cried. I've prayed. I've done everything I know to do. I cannot get free. And these people prayed for me. They were about from here where Dave is. They just made a circle around me, and they prayed. This was probably about 22 years ago. I had no idea what happened, but the next minute I was on the floor. Nobody touched me. And I gave a burp like Simpson the lion. And you know what happened? I was set free from a spirit that was controlling my life. I hated myself. I didn't know what to do. But when I confessed my sin and I obeyed God and I brought it into the light like that, I was set free. And it's never, ever happened again after that night. Gone. Forever. Because I did not justify my sin. I did not conceal my sin. I, in obedience, obeyed the Lord and He set me free. Many are here and we need to deal with stuff that we justify that we don't want to deal with. But God says, bring it into the light. Because his light just obliterates any darkness that there can be. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. Remember, to sin is to do evil. It is what it is. To sin is to do evil. It separates us from God. Nobody can sin and feel close to God. It's impossible. He doesn't move. We do. And what the enemy does is he will condemn you. Guilt, shame, condemnation. What Holy Spirit does is he will nudge you. You will have that feeling, I need to deal with this. I need to get free. I need to speak to someone. I need to go for counseling. I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need to be humble. I don't need to be stubborn. I need to be humble. I need to go and ask for help. You know the serious consequences if we justify sin like Saul did. What happened to Saul? He lost his position as king. That's big. Because sin will always have a consequence. It's not punishment. Jesus took all the punishment. All the anger of God's wrath for sin, Jesus paid for. How much more, knowing what he paid for, should we not deal with it and not walk with that so that we can be free? Another consequence of the sin of Saul was that he never, ever saw Samuel again. Up until the day that Samuel died, he never, ever visited Saul again. And remember, in those times, the Holy Spirit has not been poured out. Saul was the way to connect to God. 
he lost that connection with God. Think for a moment how your life would be if now you lose all connection with God and you can never hear him again. I don't think we can do it. I can't make a, an hour without hearing his voice. I can't. I can't live without that. Reasoning can sound spiritual. It can sound like a good thing, but is it a God thing? God's ways and God's instructions never ever make sense. That's how you know it's God. Because it doesn't make sense here. But that's, that feeling in here, I need to obey, that's what we do. Because his kingdom is inside out and upside down. I mean, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. I told you about the queue. It's about three kilometers long. And God says, go to an eight. I want you to be at the end. But I'm small. They're not going to see me. I know. That's the point. Go. Okay, Lord, I'll go. And I go all the way to the end of the queue. And what does he do? Because I obeyed. He walks to me and he goes, all right, everyone, turn around. We're going that way. <laughs> you see, that doesn't make sense. But he knows what he's doing. Can we trust him that when he tells you to do something, that you will do it and obey and hear because there's a blessing to it? I want to, um, I want to explain, I think, the main reason. There's so many. The main reason to obey is because what does obedience do? This is the exciting part. The, the, the exciting part is when we obey, it always draws God's power and presence. Always. When you obey, presence is there, power is there. That's why we live, because we want things to change. We don't pray just to keep ourselves busy. We pray for answered prayer so we can rejoice in the answer. Am I right? It's not just keeping us busy. We want the results. That's why God said pray so that there can be the result. It's good to have results and blessings. We're allowed to ask for that. So what does it look like to obey? It's when you feel you need to pray for someone to do it right there on the spot. You need to call someone, call them. If you need to, if you walk in the mall and somebody says, I need prayer, pray for them right there. Why wait? <clears throat> oh, I'll pray for you. And then we get busy, we forget. And then we feel guilty because we forgot. And then the enemy tells you you're a horrible Christian. Are you even saved? Because you don't even pray. And you've got to pray for this person. Maybe they relied on your prayer. And all, of, all these things are happening because the enemy piles on stuff. So radical obedience is to do it right there, right then. I remember a few years ago when I came to George before I started at FTC, which is almost 11 years in September, I went to the mall regularly. Because remember, then I came from Joburg. So Stanton, I shopped a lot. Remember, Dave still um, remembers the story of all my credit card statement pages. <laughs> I think they were like nine pages long. Um, until Jack called me in and said, your credit card statements are nine pages long. I'm going, how many should it be? <laughs> I never had a credit card, so I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. I told you I'm blonde. Okay. So as I was going to the mall quite regularly, some of the parking attendants got to know me. And I'm always quite friendly. 
uh, exhorter gift. So just smiling and friendly and started talking. This one guy said to me, Mommy, why are you so friendly? I said, oh, my boy, it's Jesus. Just always makes me smile and I'm always happy and da, da, da. Oh, you're from Jesus, yes. Can you, can you please pray for me, Mommy? Sure, yes, of course I'll pray. We're in the parking area. Next minute, he's on his knees. So what do I do? I'm on my knees. The cars are going past us. We're just praying. I mean, I'm not going to stand while he's on his knees, so we're praying in the parking area. And then when I opened my eyes, there was a queue. <laughs> I, I promise you, there was like six guys. So I started praying for the one after the other. And then when I come, every time I come back, Mommy, will you pray? Mommy, will you pray? So I realized he has a need, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about sharing what is inside. And then I had a Bible study for three years with all these security guys at McDonald's on a Thursday morning, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Three years. Who knew? But it was just obeying that, that little thought, pray now. And look at what the Lord has done. Last week I went to the mall again. I don't go regularly now, I promise. My husband is very happy. But I went to the mall and... Um, all of a sudden, I had a, a thought by the Holy Spirit, I need to pray, send a voice note prayer for someone. And, and next to the Yachers, there's that um, aisle that goes to the public bathrooms. And there's a little store there coloring in or something, something. I've never been in that store. But as I just stood there to send the voice note prayer, um, I heard gospel music inside. So after I did the prayer, I walked inside and I said, oh, I like your music. Just started talking to the girls. And these two incredible girls started chatting to me, and they were children of God. And you know what was amazing? I started just, stuff just comes out your mouth. It's so beautiful. God says, just go. I'll put the words in your mouth. We don't even have to know what we're doing. Half my life, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's, it's so freeing. It's, there's just no drama, no stress, nothing. Just show up and let God talk. And you know what happened? I started praying for them and talking to them about our church and what we're doing. And then I started talking about generation curses. And the next minute, I'm cutting generation curses off them. Mother's side, father's side, blessed. We're having a full-blown church service right there in this whatever store it is. I still don't know the name of the store. And, and I just realized, you know what? Who's been to this Victory Weekend? Is anybody here that was here this weekend? Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, cool. A few of you. Okay, so now somebody did it for you. Now go do it for someone else. It's that easy. If God has done it for you, go and do it to someone else. It's not you anyway. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. There's no stress. There's no drama. When you see how people do it, you go and you do it. That's obedience. If Holy Spirit shows you, you obey. It's so incredible. It's so easy. And... So fulfilling. So it's a surrendered life. What does a surrendered life look like? Not just being happy that I'm going to go to heaven, but constant acts of obedience which releases power and presence. That's what we are called to walk in. Power and presence. How do we do that? We need to renew our minds. We need to believe that God really is who he says he is, number one. He's a good father. He's for you, not against you. He is kind and loving and gentle. But he does not tolerate sin. So how do we do this? We renew our mind by not looking and sounding like the world. There's too much of that going on right now. 
There's compromise even from the pulpit. We cannot compromise. I'm not saying be in their face. I'm not saying attacking. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. Loving, drawing, praying, encouraging, but sharing truth. We do not compromise on the word and on the truth because the truth sets you free. And we were all in bondage sometimes, somewhere, somehow. And all of us need that freedom. We ask God's grace to empower us to live according to his standards. Let me just clarify something that I've found out so many times is we, we have levels of sin. We justify certain sins. Sin is to miss the mark. This is God's standard. Anything other than that is missing the mark. Gossip, murder, pedophilia, they're all missing the mark. There are no levels of sin. It's you missing it. That is sin. I cannot justify my little sin. It's not as big as that guy's sin. We do that. But we miss the mark. So need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us His grace. Grace is the power to do what is impossible. I had grace to change and grace to be set free, as everybody else does. His grace is for all of us, and we need that grace. We cannot do it in our own strength. That's, that's trying to sacrifice again in my own flesh. So actively choose to live in obedience and in accountability. It's an active choice that we need to make. And stay with that choice. Choose and set your mind like cement that was wet. And when it is set, it is set. It's no longer mushy. It is set. I am going to be different. I am going to obey. I am going to be free from the sin. I am going to live my kingdom mandate. I am going to make a difference every day, everywhere, where I go. We need to make those choices and stay in those choices. So I want to ask you today, does your speech betray you? Can people hear where you are with the Lord? I'm in the mall sometimes in shops and I hear how women speak to their husbands and I cringe. I hear how, I see how Parents discipline their children or not. And I'm, I cringe. We need a lot of Holy Spirit help. We need to change. We cannot do it the same as other people do. Our speech, need, speech needs to be different. Our actions need to be different. Is your words wholesome and kind and gentle? I want to ask you today, is God in your life or is he your life? Again, I want to remind you, stubbornness is like idolatry, elevating your own way above God's way. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. Started way back. The mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Listen to what I'm saying. Not, it's not indifferent or opposite. It's hostile to God. We need to understand that. So obedience is better than sacrifice. It implies trust and humility. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which implies pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. 
I want to read it again. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. You will be riding on that pride thing for a moment. Even Paul said, Pass op, jy wat denk jy staan, jy gaan val. You know, if you think you're standing, you're going to fall. Pass op for pride. We all need to. But in humility comes wisdom. Thank you, Lord. And then, I want us to close our eyes. I want you to take time right here, right now. Holy Spirit, please convict our hearts right now of areas of rebellion, disobedience, stubbornness, compromise, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, anger, racism, agendas that are not of your heart, Lord. We know, Father, it is your heart to come and change us and to pour out your grace upon us now. We know, God, that you want us to receive your mercy. God wants to come right now and pour his mercy over you, his compassion, his forgiveness. I'm going to pray a psalm over you, but I want you to just pray this with me in your heart. Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to the multitude of your tender mercy and loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly and repeatedly from my iniquity and guilt. And cleanse me today and make me wholly pure from my sin, Lord. For I'm conscious of my transgressions and I acknowledge them, my sin before you now. Against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. And I've done that which is evil in your sight. So you are justified in sentence and falters in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity. My mother was sinful who conceived me, and I too am sinful. Behold your desired truth, God, in my inner being. Make me, therefore, to know wisdom in my inmost heart. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Ceremonially wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and be satisfied. Lord, let the bones which you have broken rejoice now. Hide your face from my sin, and blot out all my guilt and iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a rightful spirit. I will then teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted and returned to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness and death, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud 
of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you delight not in sacrifice or else I would give it. You find no pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a contrite heart, sorrow for my sin, and humbly, thoroughly penitent. Do good to your good pleasure to me, God. Rebuild my walls, and then you delight in my righteousness and my justice. And we give you glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you that I can now come. And I just pour out in the name of Jesus, his spirit over you now. Receive the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that now pours forth cleansing, healing, and freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray for deliverance to take place even now. As I speak in the name of Jesus, be free from that stronghold in your life. Be free as Jesus breaks that thing off you in his name. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I decree and I declare over you prosperity, wisdom. I decree and I declare over you breakthrough. I decree and I declare the favor of God over your life from this moment on. I decree and I declare that your generations will come in and serve God. I decree and I declare that as you walk before the Lord, He will now come and He will pour out His Spirit upon you. And stuff will break off you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I see finances restored. I see children returning to their parents and to God. I see the hearts of fathers turning towards their sons. I see doubt. Right now there's doubt here and I see God turning that into faith as you open your heart right now. I release that faith over you. I release that faith over you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I bind confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. I command you to loose that person. Get away from him right now in Jesus' name. All confusion will go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I see that, Lord. I see freedom coming right now. I see that thing lifting off you. In the name of Jesus, receive it now. Receive it now. You can even raise your hand. There's no fear of man. Everybody's eyes are closed. I want you to receive that freedom. Make, show God that you are obedient, that you are not fearing man right now, but that you are receiving from him. You are receiving his breakthrough right now. Right now. I speak freedom over you in the name of Jesus. I see the walls trump. I see that fear of, of man go. I see that fear of man go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see bitterness lift off you. 
I see that surrender. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Everyone, Lord, everyone. Lord, will you come and minister more? More, Lord, more. Thank you, Jesus. I see that spirit of lust leave. I see it go. I see it go. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I see marriage restored here. Two, two couples. I see marriage restored here. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. That spirit of stubbornness is gone. In the name of Jesus, purely because of your repentance, purely because God sees your heart right now. Right now. Pride, go. Go. In the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and I declare freedom. You will never be the same after this encounter with the living God. This is His word. This is His promise. Receive it now. All glory to you, Father. All glory to you, Holy Spirit. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to invite people to come up for prayer. If you want a fresh anointing, if you want fresh fire, if you want a fresh touch from God, come. Let's not hold back. Come. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Jesus. We give you glory. No revival has ever happened outside of us recognizing our sin, being prepared <coughs> to bring it into the light and to deal with our sin. And so I really want to invite us, whether it's corporate in revival, whether it's revival over a group, a church, or it's revival over an individual, or revival over a city, God deals with the stuff that offends Him so that it can happen. And I really want to invite us this morning, you might not have made that decision yet to serve Jesus. You, you may be sitting there this morning and you're hearing what Tonette is preaching and you, you feel God tugging at your heart. Won't you make that decision this morning? Take that thing that you've hidden for so long and just bring it into the light. And you might need someone just to pray with you this morning. That's why I want to invite you to, to come to the front and ask someone just to pray with you. Bring it into the light. If you bring it into the light with yourself or with somebody else, so much better. Just bring it into the light so that God can deal with it. But don't put it off. Don't go out here with the same hidden agenda or, the, or the, hidden, the hidden sin. Don't go out with it this morning and prepare to hide it any longer. Bring it into the light because God is the God of the light. There is no darkness in Him at all. And so, Father, we want to thank You for Your Word that shines into our hearts. We see this city, Father, as Your city. And, Father, we know that we can take this city when we are truly your people. So, Father, come this morning and massage our hearts for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please come to the front, those who want to go out and have a 
cup of tea or coffee, please do so quietly. And uh, let's have this corner uh, to pray for and minister for people. Thank you.